sometimes have days and I'm like, why do I care about all this stuff? Like, because there's a deal that's worth a certain amount of money or because of the opportunity there. Like, that's amazing. But what do I want the opportunity for? I want the opportunity for what money? And then what do I do with the money? So it's like, what is more important? And I constantly battle with myself. And it's got more and more recently, I felt like in the last few years, to really understand what is it I want. Today I'm joined by Seb Carmichael Brown, the co-founder of Hashtag United, a football team which was born on YouTube. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks, mate. It's good to be here. I was going to ask you one question. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Is that something you ever um, saw yourself as? I never originally did, but then as I've, in more recent years, started to read and, I guess, study more entrepreneurs and get inspired by other people, sort of come to the realisation that I guess I am. Mm. Um, I actually did an entrepreneurial module at university um, thinking that's what I wanted to be. And then for some reason, didn't like the word anymore. I really? found it like a weird word that I didn't want to like call myself an entrepreneur for some reason. But I've now come full circle on it. It's like influencer. I don't like the word influencer, but it's the word that we're stuck with and it's the word that's going to be used, I think. I prefer creator. I prefer I, creator. I think that's such a more like powerful word when it comes to like Agreed. what they actually do. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, being on both sides of that world the creators will just call themselves creators and like, you know, cringe a bit when people call them influencers. But in the business side of it, everyone just calls them influencers. Yeah. So I've had to just sort of become numb to it and just dive in and, and use that word, really. So you did you a course at university module, hated it, um, uh, didn't want to be an entrepreneur? I actually never went. Some modules were on Wednesday afternoons and Wednesday afternoon was, was football. Oh, yeah, I uh, did that. I mean, I, I managed to squeak out with a 2-1 in the end, so I got away with it by cramming in everything in the last sort what of... What cost? What degree did you it do? It was business and economics yep. um, at Northampton University and it was a great time. I think, you know, I'm very lucky where I've got to and I think if you always pick apart the various bits, really, if you're happy with where you are, then everything's been fantastic. I love my time there. It wasn't a huge university. Mm. I did lots of cool things there. I like, ran in the student elections. I was like the president of the athletic union for a year after. Got to book all the acts for the students' union. and it was an amazing time. Did I get a huge amount academically out of it? Probably not. Um, would I be in a hurry to send my kids to university? Not sure. I think there's better ways to prepare yourself for a life in general and business now than university maybe, but I had a great time. I had a great time. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think a lot has changed. I think when you look at university, you know, when I went in 2011, the internet was just in its really early days. Yeah. And the opportunities you had were limited to your geography. Yeah. So this idea of going to university allowed you to move cities and meet new people and network when previously you couldn't do that. But yeah. now you have that ability to do that online. Yeah. So you'll learn more information, you'll be exposed to more information and you'll meet new people just by the nature of, Connectivity. One of the things that I constantly am trying to get better at is to think about what success really is, as in what is it, is it just money or is it happiness and fulfillment? And I think I have the voice inside my head that if I'm not doing something productive, I'm letting myself down in some way. And when you can get information so readily available, like in bed on your phone, you can always be working. Because you, you'd have seen that, you'd have seen that transition of like analog to digital. Yeah. So how important do you think that was, that kind of experience of like being able to see both sides of the, the kind of period and, oh, yeah. and from your point of view? I'll be honest, when I got my first exposure to this whole world, obviously from my brother Spencer, initially when he told me about what he was doing, I could never really get my head around it. And I didn't really understand how that was a thing. Like I used to be in his videos and see the videos he made and casually watch a few videos on YouTube. You're talking, you know, well over 10 years ago, never had any understanding of how that could be a career. And then, of course, you come and work in it 
and you can't believe how people can't understand it could be mm. a career. And you have the you sit on the complete opposite was, side. Was there a moment when it dropped for you that this is actually something? Because, um, uh, like you say, at first, you know, when I first started, it was just putting tweets on the internet. Yeah. And then, you know, your brother it was just putting videos on the internet. Yeah. Like, There'd definitely be a moment for him, which he talks about, where he was doing stand up comedy and he realised that he was driving around the whole country to do a, a, a gig in front of like six people, or he could like, upload a video. And by the time he's got back from that gig, his video could be on 6,000 views, for example, mm. back in those early days. And he's like, oh my God, I can reach so many more people if I sit at home and make videos and put them online. If I drive around and do a stand-up mm. gig to whoever. For me, it was probably getting that exposure to him. And it was as the, uh, my, my first proper business, the solar panel business, um, had got quieter with the change in the subsidies. I started helping him with his commercial activity, just like temporarily, really, to figure out what it was like. He needed a bit of help. He was just starting to grow to the point where he needed someone to do it. His inbox just full of opportunities. And when I basically saw that inbox, I was like, wow, like all these big brands reaching out to do, even back then, to do stuff or opportunities for him where he could earn really good money doing stuff. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I never really looked back. That was it, really. How tedious is it, you know, having to keep up with the evolution and change of it? Um, and, and how much is it, you know, because like I say, from my point of view, service in that industry... And like having to keep it at the forefront was just yeah. like tiring. Yeah. Do you feel that from a creative point of view as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was dragged onto TikTok, like dragged. Like yeah. I just saw Kicking it. And screaming. A, yeah, I just saw it as a platform. I was like, oh God, what is it? what's this all about? Oh no, I'll never catch on. And then you realise and you start to understand. And then, you know, it's like most things. If they're coming through and they're gaining traction, there's normally a good reason. And as soon as I got exposed to it and gave it the chance to, you know, be on there a couple of weeks and the algorithm learn what I actually liked, I'd probably spend more time on that platform for entertainment than any other now, mm. just because I think it's fantastic. Recently, like at hashtag games or somewhere people come over and ask for selfies, I noticed some of the younger people started asking using Be Real yeah, as, yeah. The, as the dominant camera yeah. model in their phone. Like not, and I used to know, they, I've never really been a big one on, on Snapchat. Used to, the younger people would ask for a selfie using Snapchat as the, so that's like their default camera is Snapchat. And now that started to be Be Real a bit more recently. It's so competitive now that you're looking to find a way at an edge to gain traction or to get uh, progression, some of these new platforms, if you're on there early enough, then you can, mm. can win from it. But how set on were you with the vision about what you wanted to achieve in this area? Or was it something that kind of came about as like, a, oh, we could do this? Yeah, definitely the latter. Yeah. Um, the main sort of moving point was Spencer's idea for the Wembley Cup, which was that to get two teams of YouTubers play a game of football against each other. That was all sponsored been, by EE, wasn't it? EE, you Wembley Cup, yeah, absolutely. That was one, yeah, it was, one uh, of the best activations I've seen from a, from a brand and creators coming yeah, together. Yeah, it, it, was, it was incredibly hard work, but it was amazing. And, you know, at that point, being in the content as well, got to, I got to play at Wembley. I played at Wembley I think, three or four times now. Got a moment where I scored a goal in front of 30,000 people in the stadium. Still my pin tweet on Twitter. Like, just an amazing moment from it. That vision was was to just create content, making two teams of football. And EE were the ones that allowed it to grow to the size it was and then to be done at Wembley because they were just taking the naming right. So mm. they were trying to activate that. Um, and that is what was the inspiration for Hashtag, really, doing that in the first year, seeing there was an appetite for it. We thought, right, we can't get this big budget signed off every week. Can't get JJ and the Sidemen and all the other boys to come and play every single week. How do we create something that's in this world that is a bit more in our control? Yep. So that was to make our own team of me, Spencer and our friends who would be a little bit more available and to create a filming structure that gave us like episodic content that was based around a narrative, but was still all those things that specifically built for YouTube or for the other platforms at the time and just went crazy really. But the whole time it was an idea to be a strand of content on Spencer's channel. Mm. There wasn't ever this big vision. One day we're going to be 
you know, playing non-league football in the FA Cup, well, that was never the vision. Mm. It became the vision as it sort of evolved yep. and we saw you know, every time we pushed the envelope a bit, we're like, all right, how can we keep, keep going? And one question I've always wanted to ask you mm. is, you know, you look at the rise of esports, you look at the rise of kind of like, even like live in golf. Yeah. Know? The ability of going against the establishment is yeah. obviously a very interesting place at the moment. Why did you choose to follow the establishment rather than try and carve out something separately? Yeah, there was a really crucial moment where we nearly didn't. Um, so effectively, we built this like pyramid of football with the hashtag that we were the only team in any five divisions, mirrored games like FIFA. We'd travel through the divisions, unlocking rewards and jeopardy and a storyline, playing real matches of football, but getting points and like getting to the next level was like a promotion. When we basically reached the top of our little made up world, which was this big game at Wembley with Stevie G and all these players and all these people watching, that was the end of it. So when you play FIFA in real life, you turn it off, the new one comes out and you start again. That wasn't ever really going to work for us from a content perspective. So we thought, right, what's the evolution? So we started to build our own brand, which was called Next Level Football, which was going to be the same as that, but regular fixtures in a league with other creator teams. We had the likes of Arsenal Fan TV, Copper 90, other brands in football to mm. take part. XO, which was the True Geordie and Stephen Trias and these guys. These guys put teams in to play seven aside, and we made like a regular match of the day type show. The idea was to evolve that 11 aside very similar to what King's football is now. Gerard Piquet's uh, thing over in Spain, which has been crazy. A lot of the stuff they're doing was in our original blueprint. They haven't got it. They've come up with it themselves, undoubtedly. Yeah, yeah. But we tried a lot of those things in some Wembley Cup episodes and in other episodes. That was the vision. We had extended talks with a couple of very, very prominent creators and a big name footballer from big team, England, like captain type level. Uh, to become part of that and towards the end of those discussions it was not going to be possible for some people involved in that it wasn't, it wasn't going to work out basically so we had a moment where we could take control we could keep pushing that and try and work it and lose with all these things online as you know it's so much about momentum and like opportunity cost like if you've, you've got something big you need to act on it quite quickly that's how you can get ahead and we felt like that was not stagnating so we said right we need to do something with hashtag we need to move it in a different direction how do we do this and the opportunity came, let's write to the FA, let's see if we were to Pinocchio moment, become a real football team, mm. where could we go in at? And we thought we'd try and make a football world, what was that? So we were the Premier League, we were the Man United, we were the Sky Sports, we were everything. Instead, we did the complete opposite, <laughs> which is join the Football Association. But that gave us a structure, it gave us a very particular path, and it gave us a legitimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is now t- being copied by Ryan Reynolds. There you go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's crazy now how much digital movement there is in the world of football now which is amazing um we're always lucky in that we were the first ever creator-led football team um that started on the internet yep. and has now become a real football team and we've managed to get a couple of promotions since then we're pushing for our third promotion we're in the Ithmian league now if we were to get promoted this year we'd be only one division below the national league or the conference if you like we've got a women's team now who play at step four which is the equivalent of uh league two mm-hmm. just Got knocked out in the uh, fourth round of the FA Cup where we could have drawn a WSL team, but um, wasn't to happen. We've now got a youth football team. We've got the 40 teams from like three and four years up, boys and girls. We've got a dementia team. We've got a disability inclusivity team. So the club now is a real club that started off, you know, us pissing around on YouTube. Yep. Now it is an actual football club. Real life footy manager. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good fun. So obviously the you know, association between you and Hashtag and then there's you personally. You ran with someone else's vision a little bit, you know, yeah. your, your brothers. How much did you think you sacrificed your own ambitions in that, in that sense to deliver someone else's? And how did you then decide this is what I want to do? 
I never ever felt like I was sacrificing my vision because me and my brother are very alike. You know, we're, we're talking about being in the world of football, you know, in those early years specifically, he and I were traveling together to World Cup finals, Champions League finals all over the world, like crazy opportunities, meeting these Premier League superstars and filming content with them. It's having the time of my life, to be honest. Like hashtag, you know, felt like our club that we built together from the ground up. That is my own in, in a way as well. But I know what you mean. Like I've always been obsessed with golf since university, really. And it was Spencer who originally encouraged me to start a golf channel. And I originally was like, nah, I'm not interested, mate. Like, what's the point? I think When back, you're in that world already? Yeah. Bearing in mind, in the world of football, we were talking about millions of views, millions of followers, right? They were the people at the top table. So when I looked at golf back then, initially, I looked around and there was not really any channels that had over 100,000 subscribers. Mm-hmm. So my, stupidly, my primitive thought was... And that's including PGA, that's including... Including the PGA yeah. Tour. The PGA Tour at that time had about 100,000 subscribers. Yeah. So my, my thought was, what's the point in doing this in golf when you can't get to that number? I looked at it completely wrongly. And at one point I had an epiphany moment, which was, with my leg up, I could become one of the biggest ones quite easily. And all of a sudden it was like the penny dropped. I was like, right, the fact there's not these huge numbers in digital is probably more speaking of the golf demographic at that time. If I use the leg up I've got by having a social media profile already, by featuring a hashtag, and I convert the golfers from the hashtag audience straight away. I mean, I put on 20,000 subscribers in the first like two days of starting the channel. And I was like the fifth biggest channel in the country like, overnight for golf. And I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I started getting all these opportunities. I started then using what I'd learned about being in videos and creating content from Spencer and everyone at Hashtag and what I'd known from business and doing all the commercial activity for Hashtag. And I was taking myself out to these brands and getting it. And no one was really doing much in digital. There really wasn't much happening. There was people doing like really, really great instructor. And was the industry ready for it? Um, The industry was ready, but it was very primitive. But I could use what I'd learned and show what these brands are doing this in football. This is what you've got to take for the golf. You've got to think about the future. I remember my first ever pitch to Adidas and TaylorMade, who have been my partners now for seven years. This is the golf pie, all right? And it's getting smaller. And you guys are spending more and more money to get a smaller bite of pie every year. This is the football pie over here. I'm going to talk to all these people. Every time you're advertising in golf right now, you're talking about your new driver, your new set of shoes. You're talking to someone who's already seen 10,000 pairs of everything, 10,000 drivers. You're not showing them anything that new. Some of these people have never played the game of golf before. So everything I show them, they're seeing for the first time. Adidas will be the first golf apparel brand they'll see. TaylorMade will be the first equipment manufacturer they'll see. And they were like, we love that. We love mm. the idea of leaning into a football market. At the time, seven years ago, the Google spot was declining, wasn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, the figures were down. So 100%. why try and chase a new audience if the audience aren't interested in coming into the, the sport anyway? Yeah, that was what my goal was to do, was to try and make content for non-golfers. Um, people who would like, maybe would watch the Masters, watch the Open, play once or twice a year, mm-hmm. I try and make content suited at them as opposed to the golf-obsessed people. So obviously, you know, COVID had a huge catalyst for golf yep, resurgence, you know. It was the only sport you could carry on doing, I think, when things opened up. Yep. You know, alongside that's obviously been one huge catalyst. What else has kind of been other two, three things that have kind of rejuvenized golf? Um, I honestly think social media. Yeah. I think the fact that in the last 12 months particularly, some of the guys over in the States, in the, the biggest golf channels for years were all from the UK. Likes of Rick Shields, Peter Finch, me and my golf, Mark Crossfield, myself coming up. All the biggest channels in the world were all English people. And some of them had a larger American demographic, but there was not many creators from America. That's now flipped. Like Americans woken up to the fact of social media and golf. Weirdly, they're normally ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got the likes of Good Good, your Bob Does Sports, all these guys who are now smashing it, growing at faster rates than anybody. And I think that world has now woken up and you're now seeing... 
only takes half a generation. There's half an extra generation of the 40, 50-year-olds now being a little bit more comfortable going on YouTube than they were, which is real the real core golf demographic. But then also another full generation's worth of growing up using smartphones and engaging with sport in a different way. And that's brought the numbers. Before, if you had a golf video that got over 50,000 views, it was a massive thing. Mm. Now the big guys are getting four, 500,000 views on every video. So that's like just enormous. Well, it's like Paddle, isn't it? Paddle is yeah. a sport which has been driven through social. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know, it's, you know we all get the algorithm what we serve, but I'll go on there and my algorithm will show PJ highlights. You know, they've, yeah. done a, they've done a great job at getting the content, not just the live content, but historical content, you know, biggest drives, yep. great shots. And yeah, the, yeah. they've made it social and they've yeah. made a really good job of driving it. And I think that's what golf suffered from was a tired perception and brand. The personalities help as well, though, I think. You know, Definitely, yeah, yeah. Early 2000s, you're Tiger and everyone was yeah. obsessed and Tiger with that. And then you may have, may have had a bit of a lull from a personality perspective. Yeah. But now, you know, there's... Rory's, your JT's, your Spieth's, your yeah, Patrick Reed's. Yeah, DeChambeau as well. Yeah, yeah, all yeah, these so. kind of controversial characters yeah, yeah. that are creating storylines. Absolutely. And that's the same as F1 is that, you know, the focus came on the, on the, the you know, you had Schumacher and he had a couple others, but now you've got personalities which yeah. are able to show themselves through social media as well. There's two sporting things I've said that I could confidently say to someone, watch it, something crazy will happen. Is the Sunday at the Masters and the world champs of darts at, the, at Christmas time. The last knockout stage of darts, it just seems to naturally create incredible drama. Mm. I don't know how it does it, but it does it so well, consistently. Both individual sports. It's, it's True, yeah, yeah. so fascinating yeah. how, you know, golf's battle against your mind, isn't it? Yeah. You know, every single player can go out there and hit a 300-yard drive straight down yeah. the middle. Of course yeah. they can. Can they do it then? Can they do it At then? At that moment, yeah, you're right, I think so. How does that translate into what you're doing now? Because, you know, that, that mentality is super important, you know, being able to translate that into professional sport which you're yeah. involved in and then business how do you how did the two things interlink i'm honestly right now trying to figure out how best to continue to progress everything like how to split my focus between like the running and progression of hashtag helping my brother and now a handful of other creators that have sort of i've, I've started an agency in the last few years to help and represent some of the younger guys coming through to focus on that side of it i've done some like brand consultancy with brands who want to work and do more in influencer marketing because I've learned just so many lessons from both sides of it, from the brand side, from the creator side, to understand how to get those campaigns to work best. And I'm constantly, tr- and then my golf stuff, trying to find the way to continue because I love doing all of it, but it's a lot of things to give your focus mm. to because they're all quite different. So, what would you just still then is like your ambition for the summer? Like, where are you trying to reach? I'd like to reach a point where I figure out I don't want to stop doing anything I'm doing. But I do, I think my summit would be something of um, quietening the voice in my head that everything I'm doing, I should be doing something different the whole time because I'm balancing so many plates. Whenever I'm working on one plate, I'm never completely focused on that plate because I've got a little thought about the one over there that might be falling. Uh, The good example of it will be when I go on some of these amazing golf trips. I'm going on one next week out to the States with Adidas and I'm going to get to do some amazing things. I'm going to get to do some stuff with Colin Morikawa, Zander Shelfley. Amazing things are happening. But in my pocket the whole time is my phone is going to be emails, WhatsApps Mm. going off with hashtag, with agency stuff, all happening. And I've got people that work for me, so I've got people to help with those things, but you still feel the need to be on top of stuff. And um, I want to get to a point where I can uh, feel like I'm driving everything forward and just get rid of that voice. Like, you know, I must know what I mean, like that voice. Yeah, I, know, I know exactly what Constantly mean, yeah. balancing, like, and I've got two children now, and sometimes I have days and I'm like, why do I care about all this stuff? Like, because there's a deal that's worth a certain amount of money or because of the opportunity there, like, that's amazing, but what do I want the opportunity for? I want the opportunity for what money? And then what do I do with the money? So it's like, what is more important? And I constantly battle with myself. 
And it's got more and more recently, I felt like, in the last few years, to really understand what is it I want. Um, and I think I'm just a bit of a sicko that loves the, like, the chaos. And I think oh, all, as soon yeah. as I stop the chaos, I feel like I'm uh, missing something. Mate, I was like the same when we sell social chain. I thought I'd love the peace and quiet. Yeah. So, and it took me three weeks of sitting on a beach, relaxing to realise, actually, I just missed the carnage. And you, need, fear, you need the balance, you know, yeah. you need enough carnage so that life is good, but then you need too much carnage, it can become very damaging. Yeah. But you need to, that, that sense of like, is the driver. Yeah. I try to be self-aware and think, just accept that feeling and don't attach to it because I don't think it'll ever go. So there's no answer, oh, do this and it'll stop. No, I think you'll always, I'll always have that feeling of... Uh, That's what running a football club is like. You're in, you're in, and yeah. You've got closed games where you play each season and you've got an open open strategy of like where the hell are we going it's true there's no off season the only time they ever sometimes in my world feels like there's a little reprieve is normally that gap between Christmas and New Year where a lot of agencies close yeah, down yeah, yeah. a lot of magical not time much year, content going on there is, this year was a bloody World Cup so it was like busier oh, than yeah, ever yeah. so this year I haven't had any real switch off time I tend to do more obviously hashtag pretty much all the time I tend to do a little bit less in golf during the winter and now it's sort of a little bit of golf stuff starts to ramp up again so yeah, yeah I'm excited for that this year Deb, thank you so much for Pleasure. coming on today. I really Loved enjoyed it. the chat. If you get the opportunity to please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you have anyone you want to see us talk to, let us know.